and welcome to the Jeffrey Podcast. This is Gordon. I'm here with my brother John. Hello. And today we're going to review the album by Deus. We've previously done a ranking episode, and now we're just going to discuss the album How to Replace It. You can find links to everything at jeffreymusic.rocks. So, How to Replace It, the album, we'll go through track by track, shall we? Yeah, let's do that. Track one is the title track, How to Replace It. What was your first impression here? Well, my first impression was I'm not entirely sure about this track. And I was a little bit, I, I kind of liked the, the weirdness of it. I kind of liked the tension that was built into it. And I kind of liked the way it grew, but I wasn't 100% convinced. But actually, it's grown on me a lot. And now I really love it. I think it's a great track. And I also think it's a very good kickoff track, a very good first track. I think it sets the scene really well. And it's no surprise that they're opening the concerts with it on the, on the How to Replace It tour because it really does feel like that opener. So I've really come, it's really grown on me. I really like it. What about you? Pretty much the same, yeah. It did, it, I think on the first listen, it, it did feel like a sort of a forced quirkiness. But yeah, I've just grown and grown on me. I really, obviously it builds as well. So I agree with you. It's like, it's it's good as an opener um, on the album and on the tour. I assume they, they'll stick with it as an opener on the tour. Would make sense, wouldn't it? I think so, yeah. And yeah, it just I'm, really builds. I'm, I'm desperate to see it live, actually. I think that bit near the end when he's going, sort of like, like break it down. And then like, let's break it up. And it sort of builds back up again and the guitars really come roaring in. I, I, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing this track live. Yeah, I think if, it, if it's arranged properly live, I think it could be could be excellent. And they, they usually do. They just do uh, know how to uh, rock out, don't they? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, the, the arrangement is a good point because there is quite a lot of different sounds and different instrumentation across the whole album and the you know trumpets and stuff like that going on there's um, backing singers and stuff so i don't know how they're going to arrange it it'll be interesting to see if they've got additional musicians or if they're just gonna use recordings that they'll trigger or it will just be slightly differently arranged i'm not sure it'll be interesting to see yeah because obviously there's a lot of female vocal on this whole album and i did wonder yeah. if they might use that to actually bring stuff from the back catalogue with the female vocal in as well. But seeing that we've seen the set list of the first two gigs and that's not the case. So I'm guessing they've just sort of rearranged and reorganised the song. Yeah, I, I assume so, yeah. And obviously the, the, the other members of the band can sing backing vocals, obviously, although I don't think they're particularly strong singers. I think Tom is a great singer, but I don't think the others are as strong. No. So no. they wouldn't be as satisfying. But still, you know, I think it will... I think this will be a cracker live. I'm really looking forward to it. And I think it's a, a good kickoff of the album. Yeah. I mean, I think vocally it reminds me of, of The Architect a bit, you know, because I think it's like a group vocal, isn't it? Like, yeah. The Architect. So it reminds a chant. This yeah. is more chanty, yeah. isn't it? Which I like as well. I think that's kind of, I'm kind of really looking forward to seeing them just standing at the front of the stage all chanting. I think that'll be really quite effective. Yeah. So track two, which we've had around for a little while, actually. It was the first single, wasn't it? Yeah. It must have been new which we were both a little bit underwhelmed with, I think. But again, I think this has grown on me a lot. To me, it felt like, ironically, it didn't feel that new. It reminds me particularly musically of Hidden Wounds with a bit of um, Pocket Revolution perhaps sprinkled on top. And, you know, if you're going to rob funds from your own tracks, they're fine choices. I mean, I think Hidden yeah, Wounds... Yeah, pretty good tracks. Hidden Wounds yeah. particularly is musically, I think, brilliant. My issue with Hidden Wounds is because he's speaking over and the subject matter, it means it's not actually that fun to listen to. So it's quite nice that he's taken it musically. 
and produce something that is nice to listen to. But yeah, I think this has just grown and grown on me. doesn't feel like anything particularly new, but I do really like it. Again, really agree. A, a little underwhelmed at first, thought it was quite nice, quite enjoyed it, but didn't really feel it was anything new, as, as you say. But yeah, now I think I really enjoy it on the album and I think it, it really sounds very strong now to me. Much Again, it's another track that's just grown and grown. The only slight gripe I have with it is the introduction. I don't really like the way it starts. That introduction to me is just a bit mainstreamy sounding and it feels like a barrier between the previous song and this so it doesn't flow just the song stops and then we get this setup introduction and then it flows into the song i just think just if they just got rid of the introduction and it just started straight with tom's vocal pretty much i think it would flow brilliantly from the previous song and i just think it would give you just wouldn't start with just that such a mainstream sound and i just think that guitar bit is just a little bit for me just a little bit too too twee Mm. but that's that's a tiny gripe i do really like it i think it's a great song and it's good to see on spotify it's already got half a million listens or almost so it's obviously going down well with the masses yeah so um track three man of the house if you want to go first first this time yeah yeah funnily enough this was the track that when i first heard it i was i thought that's a bit of a mess i thought it was a bit all over the place and i and i kind of wasn't sure at all but funnily enough, it's really grown on me. <laughs> and I've actually got to... I don't think I like it as much as the first two tracks, but I do I do actually now really like it. There's a bit in the in the middle where it kind of goes down and it's almost like he's praying, which I don't think quite works. But again, I kind of quite like the oddness of it. So I'm quite happy to go with it. But yeah, I think it's, again, another one that's really grown on me and it's become a lot more coherent in my mind at first than I first thought. What about you? Well, definitely less enthusiastic. It does feel like a bit, again, sort of like forced quirkiness. I quite like the way when it stops and she goes, that's very disrespectful. I thought that's quite funny. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I sort of quite like the the instrumental bit at the end. I think, again, live, yeah. that might re- be a really good rock out. But the actual main part of the song, I think, is very sort of average. It has, again, grown on me. going to be saying that phrase a lot because think it applies to every song on the album they've all grown on me i think so yeah i like all the songs more than i I did on the initial listen but this one i have to say is one of my least favorite on the whole album i think um, i can see why you say that i definitely can and and it certainly wouldn't be in my top cluster of songs but it's definitely I, i do think the chorus works the melody is quite strong it's it's not as good as the other ones so far no again it's got an introduction which i feel gets in the way a little bit and again, you could have just sliced the introduction off for me and it would have, again, flowed better. And the whole album would flow a little better then. But minor gripe. So slightly weaker, a little bit less coherent. Fair enough. And 1989? Similar point about the introduction. I think the introduction, again, is very similar to the introduction to Must Have Been You. And again, just puts me in the wrong frame of mind. But once he starts with his Leonard Cohen malarkey, I do really like the beginning of it. I think it's quite strong. The lyrics, I think, are really good really poignant and there are bits of it that it starts to get a little mainstream and a little too obviously poppy but i actually again it's a song that's really really grown on me when i first heard it i thought it was a bit weak and i was a bit disappointed but actually no i've really grown to love it you similar i think it's very reminiscent of the softball musically it it has got that sort of more poppy commercial feel to it again this is one we've had with us for a little bit longer and it, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it has grown on me 
obviously it sounds like Tom could do with cutting down on the fags a bit. Well, yeah, that's probably good advice, yeah. Um, if not completely. I think it's it, generally speaking, his voice sounds pretty good across the album. Well, elsewhere on the album it sounds, but obviously he does sound rather Leonard Cohen-ish on this album. <laughs> Sorry, well, on this said, song. So. But he said, he, said in, um, he said in an interview that, yeah, I mean, he'd never sung this low on any album. It, it sung privately, you know, rang the house or whatever, but he'd never recorded himself singing this low. So for him, it was quite a fun new thing to do. And he said Leonard Cohen didn't patent singing like that. You know, it was available for anyone. So I think it's quite effective. Yeah, it sort of suits the the reflective nature of the song. It does. It really does. Yeah. Yeah, I do like it. Not as strong, I think, as the first two songs, but I do I do like this one. Yeah, no, me too. So then we go to Faux Bamboo. Yeah, a class Janzoon's composition. So it's great to see it. Class actually doing, I think he seems to be doing a bit more across the whole album. So I don't know, because most of this album has seemed to have been recorded whilst Bruno de Groot was still in the group before he sadly fell ill and was unable to continue because his composition and playing is on f- quite a few tracks. So I think this has been quite a few years in the making. And this is a rare class Janzoon's Janzoon's Janzoon's. Would it be Janzoon's? Janzoon's? I don't know. I should have checked this before. But anyway, so yeah, this is one of those tracks that first I thought, oh, this is a lot weaker than the previous four. It felt like a massive step down. And funnily enough, this is the highest register Tom's ever sung in, whereas 1989, the lowest. And again, it did grow on me, I have to say. I do think it is weaker than the first four tracks, um, probably. But it, it has actually grown on me quite a lot. It's got a really nice melody. I kind of wish there was a bit more violin, which I also think on 1989, the, play, the, the, the end of 1989, I, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't make more use of Class's violin. I think they could have made that a lot nicer at the end. And I think on this track as well, it feels like they could have done more with that because they're using the violin sound. They could have done more with it. So yeah, it has grown on me. I do like it. I don't think it's a top draw track on the album, but it's definitely a, a pretty decent listen. Yeah, I, I largely agree. Again, it, my first impression was it was one of the weaker tracks. And I do now like it. It has grown on yeah. me. Yeah, I just sort of forget, just, just be repeating what you've said, really. I don't I don't think it's, um, again, Man of the House, I think, old place below it. Yeah, I, I could see that, That's yeah. the only slight difference, I think, in what you've said. Uh, I might or might not. It depends what mood I'm in, I guess, with those two. But I, I, I certainly think so far they would be the bottom two tracks. But all all five tracks so far I still really like. What about Dream is a Giver, the sixth track? I think similar to the previous song, I think I felt it, it initially felt it was a bit weaker. I think I was initially slightly put off by his singing style in this song. Um, it reminded me a bit of Adam Buxton, one of his like his comedy songs, as he sometimes sort of does this style of singing sometimes. So it took me a little while to get over that, I think. But again, this has grown on me. I, w- I think it's one of the mid mid-table tracks of the album but I do like it. This this was actually one that I liked quite a lot initially and it it has still grown on me as well but I did go in at a higher level with this one and I thought it was really nice, really poignant and I didn't pick up on the Abdon Buxton uh, link but uh, but yeah, it's it's something that I've, I liked a lot to begin with and it's grown on me. So for me this cluster's nearer the top. I think it's really, really quite nice. And then we go on to Pirates, which I think is one of the better tracks on the album. 
this is one that I liked more. I think possibly because I didn't like the previous two tracks as much before, and this seemed like a bit, bit, little bit of a welcome relief. But I do think it's it's still one of the stronger tracks, certainly in the top half. That's interesting because Pirates is initially was my least favourite track, but funnily enough, it's grown on me. <laughs> and i actually really like it now and it, it's the one that's moved the most because it was probably my bottom track and i thought that's really quite pedestrian and really not that interesting but the more i've listened to it the more i've really liked it and really it's really grown on me a lot and it's definitely moved into the top third or whatever of tracks so yeah i, I agree with you that i really like it i just started in a different place so then next we've got simple pleasures which is another quirky one how did you go with this mm. one well, this is one where I kind of... This is probably the only one that hasn't grown on me. And initially, I really liked it and thought, oh, this is a bit of fun, this is a laugh. And actually, it's pulled a little bit. And it's actually the only one that's gone down and I like less now, to the point where I kind of think, I, I'm not really sure of this. It does feel like somebody... One of review that I read described their quirkiness as having diminishing returns. And I think that was quite a good way of putting it. That's not to say I dislike it, I don't but it's probably my bottom track. What do you think? Very similar. Not my bottom track, but I wasn't that impressed with it initially, and it has grown on me a tiny little bit, but not really much. I do think it, it does feel like a, a bit forced. Quite like Sylvie Crush in the background. Oh, is that Sylvie Crush? Mm. Yeah, I recognised her voice, actually. Having I've seen her live twice now. so She's very good. Strongly recommend Sylvie Crush for people that don't know her. Yes, definitely. She was excellent. Um, but yes, it, it is her singing in the background in this one. And I quite like that. It's when he's, um, when Tom's not singing, I like the song more, basically, on this one. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of points where he sort of gets into something that you might regard as going in the direction of rap in two or three songs across the album. Mm. I don't know if I'd quite call it rap, but it's not my favourite style of singing by Tom. And I do really like Tom as a vocalist, but whenever he stops doing that, it's usually better. Yes, I would agree with that. But I mean, th- this is part of why we like Deus, though, is the fact that they do try different things. Exactly. Um, but yes. you know, yeah. they don't all land, do they? No, and that's fine. You don't mind that, do you? This long into a career, what are they like since the early 90s? So what are we now, 30 years, oh, 30 years into a career? And they're still producing an album which I've listened to, I don't know, 20, 30 times and still really enjoying. So I think that's pretty impressive, you know, 30 years into a career. Yeah, I've also been because I've been doing this. I've been listening, making myself listen to it every day, and um, I was actually look. I was looking forward to listening to it. Yeah. I never got sick of it. So actually, no, I completely um, agree. Don't know if I mentioned, but it was growing on me. Yes, it's that's that's quite impressive on your eighth album, thirty years in. Yeah, a couple of grizzled old veterans like us are uh, dashing to put it on. Yes. What about the next track? Anyway, what about Never Get You never High? Never Get You High. I think it's okay. And again, it's grown on me a tiny little bit. I will place it above Simple Pleasures, but it, if we were ranking the songs in here, it'd be down near the bottom. It's all right. Probably slightly more positive than you on this. I think it's quite... I don't really like the Never Get You High uh, bit, mm. uh, especially at the beginning. I don't mind it when it's through the song. I don't particularly like it the way it sets up the song. And I think it's all right. Uh, I don't think it's anything particularly special, and it does feel like it gets a little bit lost. In this, this part of the album feels like it's starting to meander a little bit, where the songs feel like they run into each other and it's sometimes difficult to pick out one from the other. That's I still I still like it, but it's definitely a bottom half song. Yes, I would agree. Yeah. And then we get Why Think It Over, Brackets, Cadillac, 
where do you stand on this one? Well, this is one that's grown on me as well. <laughs> it was one that at the beginning, at, at first I kind of, you know, like simple pleasures, I thought, oh, good, a bit of quirky, this is fun. Mm, went off it a little. Still like it, but went off it. Never get your higher thought. I'm not entirely sure what I think of it. I do quite enjoy it, not entirely sure. Of those three, I think why well, I think it over brackets, Cadillac is the best of those three. And I kind of do group these three together a little bit. So I think it's the best of those three. And I do quite enjoy it. I do quite like it. And it's grown on me quite a lot, actually. So it's, yeah, anyway, that. Mm. What do you think? Well, I group these three together as well. But I I mean, I think this is the worst. On, well, worst on the, the album. The worst of those three. If I was if right. worst on the album. And it's one that, again, I don't quite dislike it as much as I initially did. Do like it a bit more. But definitely the i think the weaker track on the album i don't hate it or anything i don't you know i don't hate any track on the album or anything but no there's there's no there's no clangor is there no definitely not no but i think the the standard does vary quite a bit there are some excellent songs on here and there are some that do feel a bit like filler yeah these three tracks eight nine ten in the track listing does feel like the the slight lull or the slight where the album just gets a little looser yeah, I mean, I, w- I was going to mention this at the end, but again, we're going back to our old thing about the length of the album. And this is yeah. a 55-minute album. And I was going to, uh, one thing I was going to say is actually, if you take out 8, 9, and 10, you're then taking off 10 minutes, and yeah, I think you've got a much tighter album. And it's not that I say I don't hate these tracks or anything, but they're certainly not the best on the album. They do feel a little bit like fillers are not quite worked 100%. Never Get Your High is probably my favourite out of those three. They'd have made pretty good B-sides, actually, yeah. to the three singles. But I mean, in the olden days, when you actually released singles, that that's what they would have probably done. And it would have tightened up the album. You're right, you'd have got your 45 minutes or so, your typical album length. And then I think it would have it would have been tighter, because this does definitely feel like it's it's getting a bit, as I say, just a bit looser at this point, really. I think it's got... It's- because it's go it's going on a bit too long and these slightly weaker tracks, it does kind of like highlight the fact that they are the weaker tracks. Whereas if there were B sides or something, you'd probably say, No, oh, these B sides are alright. Yeah, you would. I think that's true. Because they are pretty, they are decent songs and I do quite enjoy them. And I say I, I don't really don't mind Never Get You High that much. It just feels a little lost where it is placed. And I don't I quite like why I think it over Cadillac. Love breaks down. Seem to have a little acoustic e slower track on each album now. This one again <laughs> took a while, but then the the earworm got there, and I found myself singing it to myself. You know, when you're humming a song and you don't really know what the tune is, and you have to think about it. And then I realised I was singing this. So yeah, again, another one that grew on me, and I do really like it now. Yeah, I I liked it more than you initially. I think I liked it immediately. It hooked me in quite quickly, and it again has grown on me from that much higher start so i would agree it is acoustics the love song it's quite nice I, I like it i love his vocal delivery on this i think it's really strong it's quite a simple song and i'm looking forward to hearing it live actually to see if he can how he pulls that off because it's quite emotional i think the actual song mm-hmm. so then we have the album closer le blues polaire yeah sung in french it is yeah obviously comparisons to quatre stylistic i think because he's speaking in french through a lot of it and it does kind of have a I think musically there are definite similarities, although very much not the same song. But I really love this one. I think this is my favourite song on the album. I don't know if I'd go as far as say favourite, but it's certainly right up there. And I totally agree with you. I really like it. I think it's really good. I'm sad to see it's not on the set list. I hope it will get put on there. 
before we then see them. But yeah, I, I agree. And funnily enough, on, on the when you look at the Spotify plays, this is the second lowest number of plays after Why Think It Over Cadillac, which I can't understand because I think it's an absolute belter. A really good album closer, cracking song. Love it. Totally agree with you. The Frenchness is fun. It's a lot of it's spoken, but not all of it. And it grows and, you know, has a bit of a rock out end. I think it's a really good track. And it's another earworm as well. I keep finding yeah. coming the tune as well, unwittingly realising I was doing it. But yeah, I think it's great. Obviously, it's the last track. So that's one reason why the numbers are lower as people don't get to the end for various reasons. It's also the longest track. It is. And I think that's quite nice as the end track, as it just takes its time to unfold and grow and then rock out at the end. And all. I don't know, I just think it really suits its position at the end of the album, just like How to Replace It really suits the start. I think this really suits the end. I think they've chosen really well the bookends of the album. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I think the two strongest tracks on the album for me. First and last. First and last, by quite a bit. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. I wouldn't say by quite a bit, but yeah. Must have been news up there. 1989's up there, Pirates is up there. Probably the other three, Dream is a Giver, would be maybe following that. I would throw Love Breaks Down in there as well. As oh, well and Love Breaks Down. Yes, absolutely. Me too. Me too. So we seem to agree quite quite a lot, actually. Largely, yes. One wonders where we're going to rank it in their catalogue. If we were ranking it. I would guess the, the tracks we were picking. We are ranking it. What do you mean, if we're ranking it? We what are about ranking the official? it. We're not putting it. Well, we have to. No, we don't. So we agreed on the tracks, basically, didn't we? I think unwittingly there, first and last yes. track. So this is quite difficult, really, where we're going to put it. I'm not sure it's that difficult. So from my perspective, I think if we're starting at the bottom, I think we agree, vantage point, keep you close, following C. We both agreed with that order and we're quite happy with that order. I don't agree. I don't you? No. Do you put keep you close and following C the other way around? Well, I, I would argue for having... I listen back through them all for this and i actually think i would I, i'm not suggesting we change it but i think i would now if i was doing the ranking now argue for keep your close being above following c because i think it's got i think it's consistently better whereas following c has a couple of bangers on it catraman obviously mainly one but it also has a couple of duffers and some more mediocre stuff i, th- I think keep you close is better I, I went through the same thought because Keep You Close is a really strong album. And I did think, is it, is it actually better than Following C? Have we got this the wrong way around? And I kind of thought, no, we don't. Following C is actually, I actually do prefer it. Apart from the couple of clangers on there. Apart from that, I actually think it's pretty strong. So I'm quite happy with that order. Anyway, we're not changing it. So it's a moot point. I'm saying how you replace it goes above all of those three. I am fine with Are that. Are you agreeing definitely, with it? Yeah. Okay. And we agreed that the top three albums... Well, no, we agreed the top two albums are The Ideal Crash and In The Bar Under The Sea, although we disagree on the order. Yeah. So it's then, where do we put it? Does it go above worst-case scenario, Pocket Revolution? Because I would put worst-case scenario, Pocket Revolution the other way around than you have, and then I would put this album above Pocket Revolution. But I'm very open to the argument of about it being below Pocket Revolution as well. Yeah. I think that's roughly where it sits. I mean, where I am at the moment is that I don't think how to replace it is quite as strong as pocket revolution i thought you might say that and that's why i think where you've put it at the moment fifth because our ranking goes ideal crash in a bar under the sea pocket revolution worst case scenario then how to replace it that's where i've got it at the moment yeah shall we leave it there 
I think we have to, because I wouldn't put it above worst case scenario, because I'd put worst case scenario above pocket revolution. I'd also put how you replace how to replace it maybe above pocket revolution, but I'm less sure about that. It may be just because it's what I'm listening to at the moment. Yeah. So fifth seems about right, I think, for now. Yeah. Okay. Let's leave it there then. That will go into the official Jeffrey playlist on Spotify. And this episode will go at the bottom of the playlist for context. We agreed happily. <laughs> <laughs> so um, any last comments? Packaging? Do we mention the packaging and the cover? Yeah, let, let's go for the... Because we normally do, if we're doing a normal podcast, we do the record covers next. So we'll have a look at the packaging. So you've got the vinyl copy. I got the CD. Okay. Which they managed to get through my letterbox on the actual day of release, despite coming oh, from Belgium in post-Brexit Britain, where nothing really works, particularly the post. The packaging, the the vinyl packaging is very nice. It's very well done. It's a gatefold double album. There's 12 songs, so there's three songs on each side of the, the four sides, spread across the four sides, which works quite nicely. So each side's got its own kind of atmosphere, which is quite nice. And it's very well done. It really breaks out exactly who's composed and played on each album and all the instrumentation. So I think it's a very nice, nicely done. Mario Palowski, we see, is very little on the album. He plays guitar here and there, and he's not listed as an official member of Deus. It just lists the four of them. Yeah, and that leaves Bruno off, though, as well, doesn't it? Yeah, well, Bruno had to leave, unfortunately, and I think his guitar work on this album is really good, really strong, mm. and it makes me, it sort of tempts me to wonder what it would have been like had he been able to stay in the group, how his influence might have impacted yeah. the the album. I mean, I would argue he is a member of Deus for this album, and I know, obviously... He's not on all of it because, because he was ill. Marrow's played in, obviously plays and sings a bit as well. But I think at that point he was officially a fill-in for Bruno, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. And obviously, I mean, Bruno wrote a couple of songs, didn't he? And well, he was part of the the composition group. I think they they did quite short, sharp jam sessions for this instead of they used to do quite long jam sessions. Right, that was their writing method, based uh, presumably around some of Tom's leadership of the band, but. This time they did it in much short, sharp, shorter, sharper jam sessions. And uh, I think Bruno was involved in quite a lot of those. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's credited as a writer for Must Have Been You and Man of the House, which do probably have the heaviest guitars of the album generally, I would say. Yeah. And he, he does play on other bits of it as well, though. Yes, he does. Yeah. But I mean, he's credited as a writer for those songs, not, not as a, a player. But yeah, it's obviously it's a shame. I think there wasn't a more dominant guitarist for, for the production of this album, really. I think it might might have helped to have a little bit more guitar. I agree. I think there's times when it's there's too synthy and those aren't particularly enjoyable sounds, in my view. So yeah, I agree. A more dominant guitarist, definitely more dominant guitar sound would have been would have improved quite a few of the songs on it. Where do, where do you stand on the cover? Got an unusual cover for Deus? I sort of quite like it. You know, it's a bit sort of stencil art, and it's, it's, it is a real photo. Obviously, they've yeah, but it's a, altered it. Yeah, it's photoshopped or whatever you call it nowadays to make it look more like um, as I said, like like um, like stencil art. I think it's okay. I think my main issue is the writing, which is done. You know, this font, or if you, if it is a font. Handwriting scroll. Yeah, handwriting scroll, which means that all the merchandise is going to be a bit naff, I think, because I don't, 
really want a t-shirt with dais on when you can't even tell that it says dais that's a, i hadn't thought about that i wouldn't particularly want a beige t-shirt anyway <laughs> yeah there might be different color t-shirts though i don't yeah well i i i think the color's quite i think the cover's quite striking the fact that is a real photo of a fisherman in uh, tom has a house in portugal and that is actually a a, a real photo of one of the fishermen in the village where he lives in or lives part of the part of the year so it is a real photo that he took and then obviously as you said they've doctored it somehow to make it look more like stencil art but yeah i think i think it's all right it's quite striking it's uh not my favorite cover in the world certainly not my favorite dais cover either but it's all right yeah no, i like the image i think it's more the as, as i said i would have done some uh, the writing the font i would change well, there we go. Anything else to say about this other than the fact that we're looking forward to seeing them live, which we will do, and then we'll record a Jeffrey Goes to Deus episode. Yeah. I'm seeing them in Madrid. You're seeing them in Paris, I believe. That is correct. Um, yeah, just if Deus are listening, please put Le Blues Palaire on the set. So it's been about a week since we did the original record for the album review, so we've had a little bit more time to reflect on the album. John, you had a change of heart on a couple of tracks or slight change? Yeah, just slight change, just listening a few more times and having actually sneakily seen them live in the meantime, although we're not going to talk about that because we're going to do the proper live review later. I Yeah, my reviews have evolved slightly. I think must have been, sorry, Man of the House. I think that's gone a little bit down in my estimation or rather I just think I came across as a bit positive when we were talking about it. So I still like it. I think it's you know, good song and all that, but I think that's probably gone down a bit and Never Get You High has gone up a bit. I've started to enjoy that song quite a lot more, actually, especially, that you know, when he goes in with that look at those weirdos line. I, I don't know, it's, it's just charmed me a lot more, that song. So those have just slightly adjusted, I think, and, and now I would put Never Get You High above Man of the House if I was doing an order. So that's, I just wanted to correct that because I feel I'd sort of said it the other way around in the main part of the recording and my views have adjusted. What about you? Yeah, I would agree, really. I think I was probably more positive on Man of the House. And I think now, having listened to it for another week as well, I think in my uh, alternative track listing of the album, I would actually probably get rid of Man of the House and put Never Get You High in there. Whereas originally I said, get rid of tracks 8, 9 and 10. I think I'd put Never Get You High back in and take out Man of the House. Which is a little bit of a shame. I like I like the end bit of Man of the House, but the rest of it I'm not really that bothered about. It, I also feel it, it's slightly overdone on the guitars. The guitars are just layered a little bit too thick on it, and I think that gives it that feeling of it's just a little bit more kind of growly and messy than perhaps it could be. And the rest of the album isn't like that. It's a little bit too synthy, and actually I would prefer more guitar on much of the rest of the album, but that's the where the, to me they go a little bit too far the other way. Yeah, I, I think it'd be quite difficult to think about taking it out, but maybe, maybe. I, I suppose Simple Pleasures has gone back up a little bit for me as well. I feel a little bit bad about talking about tracks 8, 9, 10, the way that we did, because actually I quite enjoy them. And it, and it definitely is Man of the House, which is the one that's not lasting the distance in the same way as the others. So broadly in agreement, I think, with what you're saying. Yeah, roughly, yeah. The only other thing I forgot to mention was the uh, lack of lyric sheets on the album, and I would have liked a lyric sheet I've been through my CDs and all the all the albums seem to have lyric sheets except for Following C and the new one. And I think that's a shame because I do like the lyrics. It's nice to have a have a read through them every now and again. Yeah, I think that is a pity. And I do think Tom is a really good lyricist. 
And considering it's not his first language, I think he's remarkably good. And it's very good how he uses idioms and, and phrases. So, yeah, it, uh, I, I tend to enjoy their lyrics most of the time. I think they're really, really pretty strong. So yeah, I agree. Okay, so that's the album review. So next up will be a live review as we're both off to see them live shortly. Mm-hmm. 